All right. So I don't even know how to start. Like, like I just walked. I walked in here. Like when we got here, and I like started crying already. I was like, just so overwhelmed by everything. But um, if you can't tell, I'm like real nervous, guys. So please laugh at my jokes if I make any. <laughs> that was a little too much over here. I don't know who that was. But it's been a while since I um, spoke, and I think the last time I spoke, it it wasn't this many people, and it wasn't this high up off the ground. So I'm feeling a little, <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, okay. <laughs> so I'm really like honored and privileged to speak in front of all of you beautiful women today. Um, like, women, women's rights have always been like a real big passion of mine. And um, in my younger years, I was actually a, um, a feminist. I would label myself as a feminist. Um, and not like the feminist that people think of that like hate men and all that jazz. Um, I was a real feminist who believed in equality among men and women. Um, and I believe that, you know, women, we need men as our allies because, you know, we're all children of God. We're all equal under his eyes. And, um, I just believed in that stuff, and yeah, it was it was fun, and and I loved it, and I learned a lot. I learned about a lot about myself, um, but you know, whatever. I don't know. I'm like, if I like, you know, brabble on or whatever, like, just bear with me, because <laughs> again, I'm nervous and I'm sweating right now, so it's okay. It's okay. It's gonna be fine. So. Um, as a feminist in my young, I was like 19 maybe, um, I went to like my first protest and it was really fun. It was called Take Back the Night. And it was a protest that is like, it happens on a lot of college campuses. Um, and it's really to bring awareness to the problem of sexual assault on campuses and things like that. So, you know, the idea was, you know, we as women, we met like late at night and we like walked around campus, like just like really like not caring, not being fearful or whatever. Like, you know, the idea is we shouldn't be afraid, you know, to walk at night. Like we, like we just shouldn't, you know, like that just shouldn't be a thing that we have to like, like look behind us and like walk with like our keys and like our hand, you know, like that just shouldn't be a thing. Um, and I still believe that shouldn't be a thing. So that was like a really great experience for me. And just reflecting on like this whole message and I really like started to like um, think about fear and like what fear was and uh, where fear came from and what my sources of fear were. Because I think a lot of times fear can like stop us women from doing a lot of things, like doing a lot of things that, you know, we have been called to do, like, we just hesitate a little bit because of fear. And so I started to really meditate on fear and where the sources of my fear came from. Um, and I came up with three things. So there was this, there's a fear of failure. There's a fear of disappointment. And there's a fear of not being good enough or not thinking that you're good enough. So I kind of want to go through it and kind of tell you my testimony and my life story, if that's okay with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so 
Fear of failure. This is like a big one for me. Um, I'm going to talk about school a little bit. My, like, intelligence has, like, always been kind of like this um, steady and, like, constant foundation that I can always kind of depend on. And not to, like, boast or, like, sound pompous or anything, but, like, that's just who I was. Like, I can always just count on, like, being, like, one of the smart girls, right? And, like, you know, growing up, I went to, like, a small Catholic school, and out of, like, 29 kids, I was, like, top seven or whatever. Um, and, you know, always, like, on the honor roll or whatnot, high GPA, whatever. And so that was always just, like, it was just always, like, easy for me kind of thing. Um, and so, like, from elementary school to high school and even to college, like, you know, that kind of stayed a constant. Like, my intelligence was a constant. I can, like, hold on to that, and, like, that could be a part of my identity. But then, you know, I was, like, working after I graduated college, and then I was, like, oh, like, I'm kind of bored, and, like, what else can I do? Like, oh, let me try grad school, because if I go into grad school, like, that'll show that I'm really smart, and, um, you know, my parents will be proud of me and whatever, and I'll be proud of myself and all that jazz. So I applied for grad school three times, and I got in zero times. That did not feel good, <laughs> because... I just was like so confident. I was like, dude, like that I'm totally gonna get in. Like, no problem, right? Well, and I didn't get in, and that sucked. Um, and that like hurt a little bit, but I was like, okay, God, like maybe have something, you know, different for me. And so I continued to work, and I just found myself in a place where I wasn't happy with what I was doing, and like I just felt like kind of stagnant, and like I wasn't going anywhere. So I, uh, <laughs> listened to my mom finally and said maybe I'll go try nursing school because that'll be fun <laughs> um, so I, there's a couple of there's a couple of nursing students in here so they know what I'm talking about um, so I like kind of on a whim I was just like let me try it you know and then I got in so you can clap for that <laughs> I all, that, I, you, there's like a lot of silence too, so I like want some. Um, so I got into nursing school and like that was like such a great accomplishment and I'm in my second um, semester now and today actually marks the first day of my spring break, so I'm super happy. And like what a way to celebrate spring break, you know, with she is conference, it's amazing. But um, my arm's tired. Um, <laughs> But I'm in my second semester, and, you know, it has been a big old challenge. Like, uh, a challenge like I've never, like, felt before, like, I've never experienced before. Like, my first degree was in English, and, like, that's, like, you know, it's, like, whatever to me. Like, I love English. Like, it's easy for me. But, like, nursing school is, like, super hard, and, like, you know, like, instead of getting, like, the good grades, instead of being the top of the class, now I'm just, see, I see, like, mm-hmm. Instead of, like, getting the top grades, I'm, like, barely, like, skating by. Um, C's get degrees, remember that. Um, that was a joke, you guys have to. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, me I remember um, 
last semester I got I got a D on like one of my first tests, and I was and I was with lunch with like one of, two of my old coworkers, and they're like, "You got a D? Like really? Like is it that hard?" And I was like, "Yes, it's that hard." Like, but like when I saw that grade, I was like. I like bawled like Kevin knows like I was just like crying and I was like oh my god my life is over like I'm just gonna quit and I hate this and it sucks literally I think that's what I looked like and sounded like with a lot more snot (sighs) um but yeah like nursing school has been a challenge and you know and I almost feel like it's almost like God saying like you know you can dig deeper than you had before and um, I'm going to show you, like, what you're made of kind of thing. So, you know, there's that. So there, that's school. That's school. Um, and, you know, and just this whole fear of failure thing, because I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail this. You know, I, like, I work so hard, and um, I just don't want to fail this. But that's one aspect of where I'm fearful of failing. Another aspect is ministry. Um, I don't know, I'm just really scared of failing at ministry. Like, okay, I'm in the worship team, and it's going on four years now. For the first two years, there are so many times that I wanted to quit. Because I thought I was, I'm just going to cry this whole sermon, guys. Just warning you. There's so many times I wanted to quit. Because I didn't think that, I just thought I sucked, you know. I just didn't think I can do it. And I just wanted to quit so many times. I mean, I'm thankful that I haven't. But, you know, just that fear of, like, not not being good enough, like, even not hitting the right note or, like, forgetting lyrics or whatever, like, I'm just so fearful of that because I don't, I think I've, like, put on this image, like, and I don't know where it's come from, like, this image of like perfection like i have to be this certain way and like when i'm when i not when i don't hit it it like hurts me and it makes me just want to give up and i don't know if you've ever felt that way and then there's eldership too like this is like a new thing and it's like am i even doing this right you know like am i even doing like this right? Am I being like a leader like the right way? And it's almost like with every new opportunity that comes, with every new opportunity that God gives me, I just want to sit down and just not do it because I think I can't do it. And I'm so fearful of that. And even in my marriage too, I'm I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of failing because will I ever, you know, am I able to be that, that wife that can, like, do it all and that, and to be able to have balance. You know, I want to be that that woman that can go to work and and take care of my household and take care of my husband and the family that we have. 
And I'm just so scared that I can't. Sometimes I'm just so scared that I can't. And those are sources of fear of failing. And now there's disappointment. And like constant like apologies. Like if anyone knows me, like, and I think I annoy Kevin, like I apologize for like everything. <laughs> He's like, did you take out the trash? No, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I just got home. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I didn't get a chance to. <laughs> but just thinking about this disappointment, it reminds me of my parents. I come from a family or a culture where whatever like we do, like as children, like the children, like we do it in honor to our parents. And I don't know if like, you know, you guys can relate with that, but like everything that we do has to be, thank you. Can I just take the whole box? Okay. I'm going to be real. I need the whole box. <laughs> so, as I was saying, um, everything that we do, we have to do in honor to our parents. Because, um, you know, in, in our culture, in Asian culture, if you can't tell, <laughs> um, um, so we do these things in honor for our parents and for our parents to show us off, you know? So it's like, oh, so, you know, your child got into all the Ivy League schools. Well, my child cured cancer, so take that <laughs> kind of thing. And that's a lot to live up to. Like, I'm saying, like, so hard to, like, live up to that. And then it, like, turns into, like, a competition, like, with, like, my sibling or like even with like my cousins like oh you graduated first and she's older than you and she's still like in school like so you're winning um crazy stuff like that and so i mentioned this earlier but my first degree was in english and in high school like my dream was to become a forensic scientist do you guys know what that is the csi stuff like blood splatter on the wall like that really fascinated me um but then I was like, ah, you know what? I don't really want to do that because then I got to do science and math and I don't really want to do that anymore and I'm just like over it and like I just want to have fun. And so <laughs> this one day, well, okay. So I went to Cal State Long Beach and then um, like at Cal State you have like two years to pick your major and it was like the deadline was coming and I was like, okay, I need something. Okay, I've always liked reading and I've always liked grammar and all that kind of stuff. I'm just going to do English because I love English. I'm going to do creative writing and it's going to be so much fun. So I went home and I was like, Mom, guess what? I majored in English. And she was like, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> Aren't you excited for me or anything? 
no, okay. <laughs> but like she kept asking me, like, what are you gonna do with that? You're gonna become a teacher, or like, are you gonna like, what, what do, you, what are you gonna do? And I was like, I don't know. I'm just gonna be a writer. I'm just gonna go write stuff. Um, so I mean, needless to say, my parents weren't too thrilled that I, I picked English. I mean, I was. I had a lot of fun. Um, I met my spouse in an English class, so <laughs> there was that. Take that, mom. Uh, <laughs> um, but like, I just remember that day, just feeling like so much disappointment from like my mom. Um, and isn't that like worse than like having like your parents be mad at you? Like, oh, like I'm so mad at you versus I'm just so disappointed in you. I'm like, oh God. Um, and I just like felt that, and I just felt so bad, and like. You know, you spend your whole life trying to please your parents and trying to do the best you can do, and then it's, um, and you know, it's like your parents expect you to be a doctor, and then it's like, oh, right. It wasn't a really good feeling, and and Asian parents are so funny. They're like, well, if you're gonna be an English major, well, then you're just gonna become like a famous like screenwriter and like win an Academy Award and be on New York Times bestseller list and all that stuff. And I was like, bros, I just wanna write short stories and like have fun. Like I don't care about any of those things, you know? But they always wanted me to like be, go like above and beyond. And like that, that was just, <laughs> that was just hard to live up to. So, you know, I have this fear of disappointment. And I mean, even again here at church, it's like I don't want to disappoint my pastors. I don't want to disappoint you guys. I don't want to disappoint my worship leaders, you know. I, I just don't want to disappoint you guys. I hope I don't disappoint you guys today. Like, I was so, like, so, like, scared. Of, like, everyone was like, you're going to do so great. Like, you're awesome. Like, this is natural for you. Like, and I was like, I just hope it's good. Like, I, I, I hope you guys like it. Like, I'm, you know, I just, I just hope you like it. <laughs> like, I'm trying to refrain myself from asking you guys right now if you like it. <laughs> but like, do you guys, do you guys like it? <laughs> I haven't even gotten started yet. <laughs> just my intro. <laughs> All right, so I'm feeling a little loose now, thank God. All right, so I have a, you know, my sources of fear so far has been failure and disappointment. Now this not good enough business that I mentioned earlier. This is where it gets really meaty, so like, get comfortable. The fear of not being good enough. Has anyone else ever felt like that? Just not being good enough? I don't know when we planned this conference, maybe a month or two ago. And like we were sitting there and they're like, we need one more person to talk. <laughs> and like it was kind of silent, like the board was like kind of silent, like looking around and <laughs> I don't know who looked at me first, I think it was Cynthia. <laughs> she was like, I think you have something to say. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, no, I don't, no. But, like, inside, like, I kind of did have something to say, and, like, 
God had given me like a little bit of this word like maybe weeks before this meeting and like reluctantly I was like okay I'll do it I'll talk <laughs> but I don't as we just got closer and closer to this like man like those attacks like just came because first of all I started to think I'm not going to be good enough compared to my husband Kevin if you guys ever heard Kevin speak and you haven't like please do so because he's amazing like amazing he's a great speaker like God uses him he's taught me a lot of things and he and he helped and he helped me with my sermon too and I'm so thankful thank you I really am <laughs> but I was so afraid that people were gonna compare me to him and they were gonna say oh you know it was good but you know it's not Kevin. Like, they were just going to look at me and just say, nice try, buddy. <laughs> Stay on the worship team or something. But I was just so fearful of that, and it, and it, I really hesitated, and I, like, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like I backpedaled a little bit and I was like, maybe I shouldn't do it because, you know, it's not going to be good enough. And even like when he was helping me, I was like, I almost like didn't want his help because I was like, I want to do this myself. <laughs> like, you know, I want people, people to see that I can do this and like, you know, all these selfish things. But, you know, he was amazing and patient and was just telling me like, I'm, I'm here to help you, like, we're, we're one team, like, you know, you're up there, like, that means I'm up there, too, and, you know, all these, like, wonderful, lovey-dovey things. So that was, like, one thing. And then another thing that happened, happened about maybe four weeks ago, and I had, like, a complete like mental breakdown like a real one where I don't know like maybe all these things were like coming to a head like school and like you know everyday life stress and like preparing for she is I don't know if it all just came like at one point but like man like I remember it was a hard week guys it was a really hard week, and I didn't feel like myself, and it was starting to scare me because it made me feel what I felt and went through. It was probably 11 years ago, what started 11 years ago. So what happened 11 years ago, you might ask? <laughs> This is where it gets really fun. I was a high school senior, and it was probably around this time. I remember it. I remember it being, being like sp spring semester or something. 
it was around this time. And you know, like us ladies, like, you know, teenage years, adolescent years, it's kind of a hard time. You know, we go through a lot of changes. And at that time, I'm, I just started to really feel like not good enough. Like I felt like I wasn't good enough for like boys or school or even looks. Like I was really self-conscious about my looks. Like even when I was younger, like I would like wear like long sleeve sweaters and jeans like in the hot California like summers because I was just so ashamed of like my body and I wanted to hide it. So this one day, I don't know, I was sitting in my room by myself, and I remember it clearly, like it was yesterday. I was sitting at my computer, and I had like my legs crossed or something, and I had something like sharp on my hand. And I remember like it just kind of scratched like my leg a little bit. And I remember feeling like really good after that. Like I felt like a release almost. And like immediately I sought out after like something like sharp. <laughs> and like all I had was like a safety pin. <laughs> so I started cutting myself and I would carve the word hopeless on my arm, just like right here. Just hopeless, because that's what I felt on the inside. And it was almost like I had reached like an emotional like threshold, like I had met my peak, and now I needed to feel something physical. Because crying like wasn't enough anymore, like I needed to like feel something like with my body, so you know, I did that. And I remember feeling like really good, like in some weird twisted way, like it just felt good to like get it out. And like I would do that almost every day. Because I just thought I wasn't good enough, you know? And it was almost like I was putting a label on myself. And this label was, now it was truth because now you can see it. And like I remember like friends would like see my scars and they'd be like, What what does that say? Like like how like like how'd you get that? And I would like lie and say, Oh, I fell into a rose bush trying to get a basketball. <laughs> my friends believe me. My mom saw it once. She's like, What is that? I was like, nothing. I told her the same story. Like I fell into a rose bush, like trying to get a basketball. And my mom's a nurse, so she was like, why didn't you come tell me? Like, I would have put something on it for you. And I was like, nah, nah, it's okay. 
But like, you know how moms like just know? They just know like you're like telling a lie. She was like, did you like do that to yourself? Did you cut yourself? And I was like, no, I didn't. We were at like JCPenney. Like I remember this like very like, <sighs> it's like fresh in my mind. But I cut myself for two years. And I don't remember like how or why I stopped, but I did. And then like shortly thereafter, I got my tattoo that says hope. <laughs> because, I mean, I wasn't even a Christian yet, but like I, like, I don't know. I feel like that was just God like protecting me or whatever and like just really showing him himself to me even though I didn't know it. Um, you know, something happened and I was like, you know what, life is good. And so I got this tattoo to com commemorate, like, you know, what I had gone through. That was, like, around, like, 2006, 2007. And then 2007 happened, and it was just an awesome year. I met this guy. Um, I was interning at a label, a music label. And there was this guy that worked there. He was, you know, a little older than me. He had uh, just broken up with like his longtime girlfriend of eight years. <laughs> so guess who he ran to? And this guy, like, we, I, I wouldn't even call it dating. Like, he didn't even call it dating. He would always like refer to me like, oh, this girl I'm seeing. So that was like red flag number one. <laughs> like we. <laughs> This has nothing to do with what I'm say gonna say, but like we like went out for like a year, but like he still wouldn't like acknowledge me as anything more than like, oh, this is the girl I'm seeing. Ladies, if you ever meet a guy who does that, like leave right away, please. Like don't waste your time. Like just, yeah, clap for that or do, I don't know. Like <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. You're worth more than that. All right, so I'm gonna get a little more real. Um, so seeing this guy and I think I was 20, 21 by this time. Um, you know, and I don't know, a party scene, young college girl or whatever. So like with this guy, I was like, you know, he's kind of mature and you know, he's older than me and all that kind of jazz. And I was like, I found myself like begging him to take my virginity away from me like literally begging him like come on like please like everyone's doing it like you know like I don't want to be the last one like come on like just do this and and he was kind of good in the way that he was like no I'm not gonna do that like no you need to wait like you're young like don't do that but it kept pestering him until he finally said yes and that's just how much I thought of myself like, that's just how much I thought of myself at that point. Like, whatever's, I'm this piece of trash, like, just, you know, here, here I am. Like, just take me. Like, I don't care. And then he went ahead and cheated on me twice. <laughs> And that brought me to a downward spiral because it was almost like the universe was like confirming like everything that I've ever felt about myself. 
Like, see, like, you're not good enough. Like, you can't even keep this guy. Like, you know, all of this is true. And I was just so hurt because I, I had trusted this guy with, like, something so precious. And I felt like I had wasted it on him. And I was so mad. So mad. And so I felt, fell into, like, a really great depression after that. Really great. I remember I would lock myself in my room, and I would, I would never go out. I would only go out to, you know, use the bathroom, or, like, I would get food, come back into my room. I would smoke weed every day. <laughs> and I would watch I Love Lucy on repeat. Like, I have all the DVDs, and, like, it's my favorite show of all time. And I would just put it on repeat 24-7. Like, if I was home, I would, it would be on. Um, and I would just have it on even to go to sleep. Because at that time, it was, like, the only source of joy for me, you know. It was the only time that I could, like, laugh a little and smile a little. So I'm watching some I Love Lucy. And I was inebriated too, so like everything was a little more funny to me. And so I tell you this story, I tell you those stories, because four weeks ago, I started to feel the same things. I started to feel like this great depression. I, I started to like feel like all of those things that I talked about and it was starting to scare me because I started to think how I used to think. I started to think, maybe, maybe, I'll, just, maybe I'll just cut myself like a little bit or something. Or, you know, you know, what, you know what, maybe I'll just like end it all. Like, I don't want to be here anymore. And it really, really scared me. Because I... I was even telling God, I was like, God, I thought, like, this was done. Like, I thought I didn't have to, like, feel this anymore. Like, like, what are you doing? Like, I gave my life to you, but still, like, I'm feeling this. And I just wanted to end it all. I remember coming home this, this, I remember coming home, it was Thursday, and, and even in class that day, like, I walked into class, I was, like, super late, and, like, my friends were, like, are you okay? And I was, like, no. And I just started crying. I cried in class, like, who does that? And I was so embarrassed. Like, I, you know, I didn't tell them, like, really why. And I remember coming home and just plopping down on our couch, and just saying, forget it all. I didn't want to move. Instead of weed, since I don't do that anymore, I had this big bag of Cheetos that I ate all by myself. <laughs> when Shirley said I ain't got no shame in my game, I ain't got no shame in that, let me tell you. And I just wanted to, like, not be around anyone. And I remember texting Kevin earlier, like, I think I'm going to go to the psych services at school, like, because I'm just not feeling well. 
And he was like, why don't you talk to Mario and Cynthia? Like, you know, they can count to you. I was like, I don't want to talk to them. Like, I didn't want to have anything to do with God. Like, God's not going to do anything for me because look at where I am. Like, no. I want someone else outside of it all. But that Thursday, like, when Kevin came home, and I'm sure it was a really scary, like, scene to, like, come home to. I was, like, covered up in, like, our comforter and, like, super dark and I had just been crying but like persistently he was like let's pray let's pray let's pray and like long story short like you know we were able to pray and it's you know, how do we get through things? You know, how did I get through my break? How did I get through, like, that depression? Truth and prayer. Like, I was truthful with my feelings, and I was truthful, like, what was going through my head. And even that, like, that process of, like, letting it out felt really good. Just to, like, kind of get it out in the air. And prayer. My goodness, the power of prayer can do wonders. And it brings light back into dark situations. And it brings life back to where death is trying to reign. And I'm so thankful that my husband was able to be there for me and persistently like push us along because it is one, like we are one. So now I want to talk Bible, if that's okay. If you guys can turn with me to John 4, we're going to read verses 5 through 30. And you guys know this story. It's the story of the Samaritan woman. You guys all have it? You can say hallelujah. You guys have it. If you're not, it'll be on the screen in a little bit. All right. Okay, so let's let's start reading, huh? I'm tired of talking about my, my, my sadness. <laughs> All right, so verse 5. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Sychar? Okay, go with either. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her in verse 10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Let's stop there for a little bit. 
put verse 5 back up, pal? Jesus said, or 10, I'm sorry, 10. Jesus said, if you knew the gift of God, if only you knew, if only you knew your worth, if only you knew who I was and who I could be to you, If only you knew what you were capable of. Man. Powerful women, do you hear that? If only you knew. If only I knew. And Jesus is not saying this in like this some condescending way. He's got excitement for you. Ladies, he's got excitement for you. And, and in this, he's saying, man, just you wait. Just you wait. You have no idea what, what like, I have in store for you, what I have planned for you. Man, if only you knew. I'm excited for you like Jesus is excited for you. What I like about the Samaritan woman is because she, she reminds me a lot of me in that she's really skeptical. When you read her story, she's like, yeah, but, you know, I don't know about that. Um, you just hear her skepticism, and let's see. We can go to verse 11. Let's see what that says. All right, verse 11, sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Your well is deep. You don't have any supplies. How are you going to get this living water? Well is deep. Jesus, my problems are deep. How are you going to help me? I'm so far down. It doesn't look like you have anything to help me. What are you going to do? Reminds me when I first started dating Kevin. When I first started dating Kevin, I was agnostic. You know, I believe, like, you know, there were spiritual, like, powers or whatever. I believe that all gods existed, but, like, it wasn't for me. And Kevin was, like... I love Jesus. <laughs> and it was like, so like this Jesus thing, like it's like real? Like, there's like something you just do on the weekends or like what? <laughs> like I had a lot, a lot of skepticism regarding like Christianity. I grew up Catholic. You know, I had believed in God and like just for whatever reason, like, Maybe it was just specifically my church, like, stuff that they did, like, totally, like, turned me off to, like, the church and, like, God in general. But, like, you know, after meeting Kevin, I just had a lot of skepticism. Like, he would always tell me, like, you know, just give your problems to God and, like, things will be fine. Or better, not fine, because, you know. 
when you go into Christianity, like not all things are like panda bears and donuts. People, <laughs> people usually say like, you know, unicorns and rainbows, but I like panda bears and donuts better, so. But I had a lot of skepticism, just like this woman did, because, you know, she's saying here, like, my well's deep. Like, I don't know what you're going to do. Like, I tried myself. Like, and, you know, a lot of skepticism. Let's go to verse 13. So, God, you know, Jesus is still kind of explaining what this living water is. So Jesus answered in verse 13, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So he's saying whoever drinks from this water, this well water, water from the well, you're going to be thirsty again. But the water that I'm going to give you, you're never going to thirst again. So you have this woman, she's coming with like her, what is it, her, her water jar. She's coming to this well. By the way, it's noontime, like let's not forget that, it's like super hot. You know, she's coming to this well and like this well she has to keep going like back and forth to, you know, like every day, I don't know, maybe one or two times a day, she has to keep going back and forth to this well. She has to keep going back, to, back and forth to this well because the water that she's getting from it is not completely, like, refreshing her. Like, it's not completely, like, what's the word? Fulfilling her. I don't know. We'll just say that. We'll go with that. So she has to keep going back and forth to this thing, you know? It's like tiring. Have you ever tried to go back and forth to something? Like, it's just tiring, you know? Like, sometimes, like, I'm really lazy and, like, you know, like, you want to sit down and watch some TV and then you're like, ah, I forgot the remote. Go get the remote. Try to go back. Ah, I forgot my phone. I got to go get my phone. Go back. It's just tiring, you know? And sometimes we have well water that we keep going back and forth to. Like for me, it was cutting, it was drugs, it was alcohol. Shoot, it was even I Love Lucy. And I had to keep going back and forth to it because it just never satisfied me. So I was like, I need more of it. Like I need more, like I need to put I Love Lucy on repeat because like I just need to feel this joy like more and more. Like I just need to feel it like all the time, continuous. Like it never satisfies me. That's what well water does. Makes you keep going back and forth. But Jesus is offering something better and more satisfying. Like a continuous satisfaction, like where you don't even, you don't have to do anything per se, except say yes, like give me this living water. Like, really? Like, it's that easy? Like, I don't have to, like, 
climb like mountains and like walk 10 miles for like this water like you're just gonna give it to me once and like I'm cool like wouldn't you like you would take that right like you would take that this woman still kind of didn't <laughs> and I still kind of didn't even when when I like accepted Christ it was kind of one of those like you know, back to the hesitation thing. Like, you know, when you're playing jump rope, you, you know, remember playing jump rope and, like, your girlfriends are, like, spinning the jump rope and you're, like, going like this and you're like, yeah, okay, now. Okay, now. Okay, now. I was, like, doing that and I was, like, yeah, Christ. Yeah, totally. Uh, you want all of me? Oh, no. Uh, now? No. Okay, No. And I was doing that, and I was, like, still skeptical. I was like, is this real? Like, praying to some, like, invisible, like, being or whatever. Like, is this real? You know? And it's not until, like, Jesus, like, let me rewind a little bit. Let's go to verse 16 to 18. Verses 16 to 18. Are you guys awake? Me too. All right. Verse 16. So Jesus told her, go call your husband and come back. Verse 17. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. And I'm pretty sure Jesus told it to her just like that, with some attitude. <laughs> Jesus felt her skepticism, but like he really wanted her. He like, really wanted her. And like, you know, this is apparently, and I just learned this, the longest like recorded conversation like with Jesus, like in someone else, like in the whole Bible, right? Yeah, I'm getting a nod from Cynthia, so like, yeah, that's right. And it's like God showing like, man, I'm gonna do anything. I'm gonna stay here for however long I need to stay because I want you. I want you, so I'm going to stay here. And he felt her skepticism, so he stayed. And then what did he do? He hit her with the truth. And don't truth hurt. <laughs> Jesus hit me with truth. <laughs> Has he ever hit you with truth? <sighs> he hit me with the truth, and he said, look at what you're doing. Look at like look at like look at your actions like look at the way you're thinking. And it's like not until like we get like true encounter with God where he can like just begin to like mold us and like shape us into like the women we're supposed to be is like that's that's when like true life starts. I feel. And it's almost like when he was hitting me with the truth like Like, you know, all the ugliness, like, comes out. 
okay, and, and this is like a weird and um, disturbing like example, but you guys remember like the movie The Ring? I'm sorry to like bring those thoughts back, but it's like the only thing that I can think of. And I know Kevin like has Disney like examples, but I got the ring, so that's that's just how we're gonna do it. <laughs> so it's almost like you know God was like you know when when the girls like climbing out of the TV. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> She's like crawling out of the TV and it's like really gross and disturbing. Like that's what like God was trying to do in me. He was trying to get like all that ugliness outside of me because he wanted to take that away. True encounter. 25 and 26 verses 25 and 26. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So he reveals himself to her. And it's like, darling, like here I am. <laughs> like you've been waiting, I'm like right here. True encounter. I remember the first time like Kevin and I had just started dating like the first time like I ever like really felt like his encounter like my whole life maybe once before that when I was like nine like I was in like it was like during mass and like I was sitting in the front and like it was like our worship time and like you know people are singing and like I'm just feeling like this presence like I'm just like oh my god that feels so good that was one time the second time was this moment we had been arguing about something I don't even know what of course, we don't argue anymore because <laughs> we're so perfect and in love. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> we're in love. I mean, I'm just saying, like, we, we don't, we still argue. <laughs> but I remember this one time we, we were arguing about something. Like, my, again, I was, like, agnostic, and he was Christian. And he was like, let's just pray. Like, we just need to pray. And like tears in my eye, tears in my eyes. I was like, okay, yeah. And I just remember him praying. Like the only part of his prayer that I remember is him saying, like, God is real. Like God, you're real. God, you're real. And I found myself as this agnostic person that like didn't believe in God. That God wasn't for me. I found myself nodding in agreement. And in my head going, yes, God, you are real. Yes, God, you are real. And that was the first time I really felt his presence. And it really impacted me. And I remember the next day going on a bike ride with my best friend. And I was like, Kat, like, you won't believe what happened last night. Kevin and I prayed. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, really? Like, how was it? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> My friend's agnostic too, so it's like this. Like, <laughs> she's like, how was it? And I was like, it was pretty good. Like, I felt pretty good afterwards. And I was like, I think I'd do it again. <laughs> it's like so fascinating. But man, true encounter. And like literally, like after that, like 
my life like changed and like I just felt like so much more open like like I, I didn't mind going to like um like church or I didn't mind going to some event with him because I was like oh you know what like it was cool like yeah I totally like try it out again but true encounter with Jesus like really changes everything and like the best part of this story the best part of the Samaritan woman story is in verses 28 to 30 This is my favorite part. Verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? She's still, like, kind of skeptical there, which is so funny to me. (laughs) Could this be the Messiah? Verse 30. They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And like later on in the chapter, I didn't give Powell these verses, but I'll just tell you like with the help of this woman and her testimony, she helped like convert basically her whole town and like help make the whole town like believers and followers of Jesus Christ just through her testimony. And it was after this encounter where Jesus revealed himself to her that she finally like knew herself and knew who she was and knew what her identity was. Because you know why? In verse 28, it says, leaving her water jar. She left her water jar. She left this water jar that was filled with this well water. Remember that? Remember talking about well water? She had left this water jar that was filled with this well water. She left that behind to go become an evangelist for Jesus Christ. Oh my God, that is so amazing. And it's so it was like me. So I had to leave my well water and I had to say, nah, no more am I going to be depressed. Nah, no more am I ever going to feel bad about myself or am I ever going to fear or am I ever going to put myself into a box? That's not me. That's well water. I want living water. <laughs> And so after saying that and after really believing that, I got to go do what God called me to do. And so now look where I am. I'm on the worship team. I'm an elder at this church. I'm a speaker at She Is Conference. It's all because I left my well water. I left my well water, and I said, Jesus, I want your living water. And so from this point on, all these sources of fear that I have, I'm leaving those behind. Let's leave our well water and go do what God has called us to do. When I first, like, was trying to prepare for this sermon, like, God was speaking to me a lot about fear. And he, like, gave this image in my head. Or, like, this topic that, like, it just stuck in my head. The topic, or the, whatever. The topic of, like, the glass ceiling. 
Okay, have you all heard of the glass ceiling and like what that represents? You know, like a lot of like feminists like really fought against that glass ceiling because the idea is it's like, yeah, women, like you have equality, like you have all these opportunities and like, you know, the sky's the limit. But when you try to go for the, you know, the limit or whatever, like you get hit on the head with a glass ceiling. And it's saying, you know, you're not really like that independent or whatever. And I'm going off on a little tangent, but I was reading uh, this book called Powerful and Free by Danny Silk. If you haven't read it, like, please do so. It's awesome and amazing. But he talks about a glass ceiling in the church. Like, yeah, it can happen in the church. Like, there are some glass ceilings in some churches. Thankfully, not here. Because we have great leaders who lift up everybody, men and women. And I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, it's the reason why I get to be up here today. But anyways, I don't see tangent. Um, So God was, you know, showing me this picture of this glass ceiling. And I was like, you know, God, like, I don't really like feel that here. Like, you know, I feel pretty equal here. And then I thought, you know what? I do have a glass ceiling, though. And you know how glass is like usually made out of sand? Well, my glass was made out of fear. So I had this glass ceiling of fear that was like hindering me from doing what I was called to do. But tonight, I would like to break that glass ceiling for myself and for all of you, all of you women. Do not let fear or whatever box you've placed yourself in hinder you from doing what God has wanted you to do. Romans 8.19, I didn't give this to you, pal, it's okay. Romans 8.19 says, For all uh, creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, and that includes us women. For us to be revealed, and like my sister, my beautiful sister Ami was saying in her wonderful piece, It's time for us to come to the forefront. It's time for us to take our place as as children of God, as women of God, as daughters of the kingdom. It's time for us. I don't want to miss out on the word God has given to you. I don't want to miss out on the miracles that are going to happen at your hands. I don't want to miss out on that. And I'm sure none of us want to miss out on that. So it's time for us to, like, just go out there and just do it already. (laughs) Amen? It's time for us to just step out and be the women that God created us to be. God speaks to us, too. Did you know that? And so, like, I want to see that more. I want to see that more from my women in here. I want you guys to be confident, to not have any fear, to not have anything holding you back. And I wanna, I wanna do something really fun. I hope it's fun. Okay, I'm gonna read this to you. It's from 1 Peter 1.7. You guys don't have to go there. I think Pal's gonna put it up. Kevin gave this um, 
this verse to me when I was feeling like really down four weeks ago. 1 Peter 1.7 says, and just like, like close your eyes if you want, like just, just let this like soak in. First Peter 1 Peter 1.7 says, These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So like whatever trials, like whatever trials that like come your way and you fear that you might feel anything, whatever it is, keep the faith. Keep your faith strong because God is purifying you like gold. And I love that the theme of this year she is involves a lot of glitter and gold. Because <laughs> when I see that glitter and gold, I, I get to see you. I get to see you, ladies. And so if you guys would join me in what I'm calling like a call to action or a, an action of faith, if I can have all you wonderful women come to the front. Just trust me. <laughs> come to the front, there's a lot of room. Find space. You guys are all awesome, I love you. And even if you don't wanna come to the front, it's okay, you can do this from your seat. Before we start, I just before we start, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be up here and to tell you my life story. <laughs> thank you. I you know I hope I hope it moved you in some way. I don't know. I hope it touched someone. Just thank you so much. Okay, so the next thing that I want to do. I want all of us women stand strong and I want everyone to raise up one fist in the air just like this just like this it might seem a little silly it's okay you can close your eyes if you want but I want all of us women to stand here like this just for a little bit <laughs> as you're standing there <laughs> I want you to just imagine imagine that whatever glass ceiling is above you that whatever box that you yourself or someone has placed 
I want you to imagine that it's broken. That it's broken and that you're free. That chains are broken. That glass is broken. That you are free. And you're punching through that glass. You're punching through that glass and you're saying, God, I have your living water. God, 